Hey, how's that? Hi there, this is Dave Gershman. Welcome back to Reselect, the music podcast that delves back in time to, oh, anywhere from last year to 50 years ago or more. We don't really actually have a time constraint. I think we've kind of spread it out a bit between uh, 60s up through... I think we've even done a couple in the 2000s. So don't hold your breath for your favorite album. Request it. The odds of you hearing an album you're waiting to hear us talk about jumps exponentially, infinitely. It jumps a lot. The odds are much higher if you actually request an album that you'll get to hear a specific album. Anyway, it's uh, mid-January as I record this. Uh, The episode you're about to listen to is The Faces. Uh, A wink is as good as a nod to a blind horse. No, a nod is as good as a wink to a blind horse. I don't know how I got that mixed up, but it's not that hard, I guess. But anyway, the the actual recording of this was uh, in person and uh, something like a year ago. So um, we are trying to catch up here and it's uh, it's not going terribly fast. But hope you uh, enjoy listening to this one. Uh, the last time we spoke, the presidential election was, oh my God, has it been that long? I'm sorry. Um, the presidential election was still up for grabs. The last thing I said was, uh, next time I talk to you, we'll know. Well, we certainly know that and we know a whole lot more and I'm not even going to get into it. But I think that the important part is that in a few days we'll have a new president. The Faces, uh, a band I, I'm quite fond of in uh, many ways. When they were great, they were really great. And this is one of their classic albums we'll be talking about with the usual cast, me, Eric, and Sarah. So uh, sit back and relax. Take a break from your working at home or your commuting. Let the music pour over you and our voices. I don't know if that's a good thing, but we'll be back soon with the next episode. And I won't tell you what it is. It's a surprise. I think I've used the word preposterous before. Preposterous. It's a good word. Yeah. Were you recording already? Because there was some funny I just, stuff we just said. I <laughs> I think I started after some of the really He's not going to put it in there if it's us bashing on him. He's the editor. He gets to control it. It's the thing where we're like saying things and then our voice changes to like, you're so great, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> or just leave out the not, like you're not yeah. so great. Yeah, Dave. exactly. Like, you're so awesome, Dave. Like, yeah. Sounds a little choppy, but you know. <laughs> Remember when you wrote that awesome email that we all loved? <laughs> uh, funny. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I am Dave Gershman. Welcome back to Reselect. Uh, I am here with Eric Green. And hello there. And Sarah Wassel. I'm hello. also here. You're all. <laughs> we're all here. Yeah. And I have new glasses on, and neither of you guys said anything oh. about it. Mm-hmm. So they look I was nice. getting to Thanks. that. They look very nice. Thanks. I was afraid they I, were I did old lady glasses. Notice. No, they're yeah. very no, stylish. No. And, and I like the, the little stem on the side. Right? Also, little sparkles on the side? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, Dave didn't notice. He had to lean over away from busy. his mic. I was a little busy. <laughs> Hooking up all the plugs. <laughs> Hooking up all the plugs. <laughs> it's very, they very industrious. Nice. I like them. Thanks. Let's um, move on. Let's move on. Enough about Sarah. Were you saving that up for when we I was just adding some human flavor. Yeah. Uh, I don't want people to think I'm a robot. 
So we're we are gathered here today to uh, talk about uh, the album. It's it's a great title, I think. But uh, a do nod, you? I do. I don't know why, but it's a mouthful. Uh, it's a mouthful. A nod is as good as a wink to a blind horse. You know, it's from money. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know that lines from Monty Python, right? I didn't no, know it's that. not. Yeah, it is. No, that came after. It actually is an 18th century phrase that they they actually said not as, as good as a wink to a blind bat. That right. Was, that was their thing. British are so quirky. Yeah. I actually looked that up because I was, I was curious. In fact, yeah. I, I can tell you the... I was hoping you would. I, the I prominence of it. I will. A nod is as good as a wink to a blind bat. Yeah. That's what they said, which was a, just a joke because that's not actually part of the... Why do you think it was Monty Python? Because they have a sketch. Yeah. The the one where they're yeah. in the bar and nudge, he's like, know what I mean? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Uh, Not oh, as yeah. good as a wink. Uh, yeah, it's all about it's all about sex. There's apparently uh, references that go back to 18th century in British literature, and it means basically if if someone's not going to get the point, it doesn't matter what you say. Oh, I feel yeah. personally attacked by that album title. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> And not as, as good as a wing to a blind horse. I'm not a blind horse. Um, the other the other usage of it actually is a little bit different, but sometimes people use it in the sense that it's so obvious that no further explanation is necessary. Ugh, so. that sounds about right. Yeah. It just sounds like what they I would feel. call their album. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ah, a little foreshadowing here. Dun, 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 dun. Um, well, let me... Um, I, th- I thought a little historical setup here would be useful for talking about the faces. So they uh, they began back in the, the 60s, or mid-60s, as the Small Faces, uh, and they were the other big mod band besides the Who, and they had a very big hit that you probably know called Ichiku Park. Does that ring a bell offhand? No. 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 You'll, you'll recognize it instantly, though. I'm about to play it. What's the, what's the title again? Ichiku Park. Ichiku Park. You didn't get that? <laughs> Wait to the chorus. You'll recognize that problem. Yeah, am I getting the edge? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never heard it. No? Mm-mm. So is that Rod Stewart singing backup? No, no, Rod Stewart was not in the group then. Oh, oh, oh okay. Rod Stewart and Ronnie Lane were not in the group. It was the other three... Plus Steve Marriott, who actually went on to, he's the lead singer. Mm-hmm. He went on to form Humble Pie with Peter Frampton, mm-hmm. which is Peter Frampton's pre-solo introduction. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to play one other quick one just because sure. this is a great song. Lazy Sunday. Oh, this one I think I know. I, I love the, the acoustic guitars in here. So. Very British. They, well, he was playing up his Cockney accent, and uh, right. for in response to somebody's comment to him. Oh, no, actually, I don't know this song. This is like a whole vein of British music that I've never pursued. It's a very um, 
very British. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, uh, it comes from a, an album called Ogden's Nut Gone Flake. Oh my God. Which is a, <laughs> what is even happening? It was I think we all just turned British. It, it was a famous, uh, it, it's a, a well-known psychedelic uh, concept album. And it's, it's this really wild thing. It's got all these little spoken bits in between. And they have this, this famous British, I, I guess he's like a radio personality. And he just speaks in these sort of like Alice in Wonderland nonsensical, like Jabberwocky kind of hmm. sentences. And it's, re- it's really actually quite entertaining. But it's, it's a weird album. It's just like very sort of all over the place. But uh, that's sort of what they were like then. And that was... Um, Icky, Icky what park? Icky, uh, Icky Koo Park. Ichi, okay. Ichi Koo Park. That's pretty funny um, how he, the yeah. chorus is like, I got high and then I cried. <laughs> like what, a, what an emotional roller it's coaster. It's beautiful. It's like, oh, everything's Yeah, well, I'm glad great. he was crying because it was pretty. That's nice. Yeah. I thought he was just really sad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they were they were very big on the mod scene, which... Eric, are you familiar with the mods? That's the, the, the early Who stuff is all. Uh-huh. They were they were like the band of the mods, and and the mods at the time were sort of comparable to punk and. It was like and, a it was like is, a social it was like a social kind of group like a style related you know it was like dudes in suits with long hair with little ankle boots and like riding scooters. They were stylish, and, right? Yeah, scooters were yeah. a big part of it. And if you ever saw the movie Quadrophenia, not familiar no. with that. Well, you know the album Quadrophenia. Well, there's a, the Who album, Quadrophenia, right. uh, is a one another one of their concept albums, and it focuses on the mod scene. So um, the mods is a is a characteristic. It was of a cultural movement. Yeah, it's like yeah. if you say oh, okay. if you see a group of people and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of hippies. Oh, there's a bunch of mods. Yeah. Oh, there's a bunch yeah. of rockers. Yeah. That was another yeah. kind of uh, subsect. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's a bunch of skinheads. You know, like mm-hmm. that kind of grouping. So and it mods. was yeah, but but this is you know we're talking about contrary to like present day where we can see everything online and see and, and nobody kind of really fits in those kinds of groups as mm-hmm. clearly anymore. This is like post-World War to Britain, you know, these are like the first young generation after their parents all fought in the war. And so like guys growing their hair out and wearing weird clothes yeah. and getting into weird music was a really huge deal socially hmm. to like right. break with the way you're supposed to do things because Britain is incredibly entrenched or had right. been yeah. about the way you do things. And after having gone through two wars... And all those people fighting and dying and leaving and coming back. Everything was very like, this is the way you do things. And then in the 60s, boom, it went like nuts. And the Beatles and the the mods and like all of these people like making a new direction and Mm. doing things that previous generations would have just been like. (laughs) Exactly. Like too frivolous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, No, I know what that reference is. So, so Kenny Jones, the drummer, Ian McLaughlin, the keyboard player and Ronnie Lane, the bass player for the later faces were in the original band as well. Uh, Steve Marriott, the lead singer, quit the group. And then the other three, after a little experimentation with other stuff, they brought in Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart, who were both playing in the Be- Jeff Beck band. Rod Stewart had sung on a couple albums for Jeff Beck. And Wood had played bass for them, but he, he played guitar coming into the faces. And, of course, Ronnie Wood, as I think we all know, is uh, the Rolling Stones guitarist. After mm-hmm. he left the faces, he became their other guitarist, um, replacing... Uh, Taylor, uh, Mick Taylor. Kenny Jones was also later the the Who's drummer after Keith Moon died. He was on a couple of their albums, Face Dances and It's Hard in the early 80s. A lot of people didn't really think he was... Yeah, he's a very good drummer, but not necessarily for the Who. I mean, well, everybody, you know, when you have Keith Moon as your drummer, mm. it's a little hard to, to live up to any of that. So the Faces, as they became, once they were with Rod Stewart and Ronnie Lane, they were tended more toward the bar band kind of music than mm-hmm. uh, than the mm-hmm. psychedelic stuff that the small faces mm-hmm. had been kind of leaning toward and That's pretty obvious. they developed a reputation as like one of the most fun loving bands in England and enjoyed themselves quite a bit on the road 
uh, developed a reputation for trashing hotels and stuff, much like huh. Led Zeppelin and yeah. fun loving. Fun loving. Well, there, you know, <laughs> w- whereas whereas like the Stones had like dark people, like like mm. I was thinking, you know, Jagger and and Richards are kind of like have this very dark side to them. You mean in interesting their, in their songwriting and as opposed to just like, yeah, we're just out for a good time. Hey, bird. Like I watched an interview with these dudes around the time that that they made this record, mm-hmm. and they're just like. They're just like hanging out and everyone's got they're, a blonde under his arm. And they're just like, yeah, you know, what's a star anyway? We're not, you know, it's not important. We just want to play. We just like the music. And they like, yeah, okay, I get the attitude of like, we're just out for a good time. But guess what? You also have nothing to say. Uh, like, I, except like putting your arm around this chick next to you. <laughs> like, it just, it seemed very like, they seemed like a real drag. Mm-hmm. No, I I wouldn't agree with that. I no? think they, they were both, they were, uh, Rod Stewart and... Ronnie Lane are very intelligent songwriters, and uh, they actually, I think they, in some songs at least, Ronnie Lane more than Ron Stewart, maybe, they had quite a bit to say, I think. I mean, not like Well, they might, yeah, maybe in their songwriting, sure, that's one thing. Uh, but uh, I just mean, like, the persona, the the life, the real-life persona of just, you know, like, we're just out to have a good time, and it's not important, and we don't really care, and, like... You know, it's not it's not important that people like or, you know, that that we're famous or that we're getting a reputation or that people are into it. Like it doesn't matter. None of that matters, man. You know, it's just like to me, like this music has like the blues roots the same way yeah. like Zeppelin or whatever does. But sure. Zeppelin's music is so much more interesting to listen to and feels so much more urgent and like epic. Whereas to me, this these guys there's amazing riffs. A lot of the songs have really good parts in them. Rod Stewart has a hell of a, a voice. Like you yeah, can't, really you can't deny his sure. voice is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's a weird voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's kind of like sounds like a woman, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if she's been smoking cigarettes for like her entire. It's like an old lady. Well, even his speaking voice is a bit on the. I don't know. Is it similar to that? It's it's less rough sounding, yeah. but it still has that. I mean, it definitely sounds like he's been smoking, and it's mm-hmm. got a bit of a higher pitch to it slightly, but. Um, He's an amazing singer. It's, it's mind blowing, right? Like listening to him, anything you're I, just like very wow. distinctive. Yeah. Too, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think during that period of the early '70s when he was with the Faces and like his first few solo albums, I, I think he was like just one of the best rock singers going mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. I would, I would literally. I mean, as much as I love the Stones, you know, I would take him over Mick Jagger and um, as a preferred vocalist. I mean, I think Mick Jagger's great, but well, then uh, there's so okay. So you you listen to it. And to me, there's like technique and ability and you can listen to someone sing and be like, that person is an amazing singer. Right. But that doesn't mean you're going to want to listen to their music. Yeah. Like I would still take Mick Jagger over Rod Stewart yeah. any day as a vocalist just because I find his music what his more interesting. voice is attached to, more well, interesting. Just, yeah. No, and also like to me, Rod Stewart, like I hear him sing and I think like, yeah, this is a great voice, but I feel no compulsion to listen to more of it. Yeah. That's just how it sits for me. Mm-hmm. And that's the mm-hmm. subjective part of art, right? Yeah. Like it's, sure, there's sure. no... There's no definitive way to just no, answer that, course, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I I mean, and I I do like I, I love the music enough that it's you know I I just I get a kick out of him every time I I hear him. But then you know obviously he took a big turn for the worse in the late seventies mm-hmm. when he went he just got started getting kind of maudlin and then disco. Do you think I'm sexy and oof? Um, yeah, and <laughs> um, oh, he claims that was written in the third person. He wasn't really trying to like. Does it matter? People. No, it doesn't. It's a bad song. It's a bad song anyway. Um, no, it doesn't matter. It's a bad song. <laughs> but then, and then, and then he got just like, he completely lost any relevancy later because now he does just this like croony kind of thing and basically playing to the 
uh, women over 70 crowd. And I think, you know, the target demographic, the target demographic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's, he, he had a, he had a great era there, maybe 10 years from like the late 60s, not even 10 years probably, but late 60s, to like mid seventies. And then downhill from there but um during that time i mean he he was but when he was on he was on man he was he was at his best so can i tell a quick anecdote about rod stewart and my dad uh (laughs) okay because my dad you know i've told you guys this many times that my dad's where i got my music my love for listening to music from so my dad a couple years ago he found in a parking garage an entire box set of rod stewart's greatest like forever all of his greatest music he just found it like in a parking garage. Wow. And he was so excited for when I talked to him for the next six months, every time I talked to him, he'd be like, you know what I'm doing? Listen to Rod Stewart. You know how much money I would have to spend if I bought that for myself. It's so amazing. It's so good. It was, it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> how, how many years worth of Rod Stewart God, albums? I don't know. Did I, don't know. I didn't ask. Yeah. I just, I didn't want to know. I should have. That's a much <laughs> more substantive conversation. Yeah. I just was yeah. like, I can't dad. I don't want to listen to talk about Rod Stewart anymore. <laughs> Uh, you said a comment a moment ago that mm-hmm. kind of resonated with me. Once I, I was really excited about reviewing this album uh, when you said The Faces, because I love Rod Stewart and, and a lot of his stuff. But like you said a little while ago, once I hear it once, I think I'm good for <laughs> a little while. Yeah. So that, that kind of resonated with me that, uh, you know, hearing it a few times. I don't know. I, I, I cannot get that. tired of this album. This yeah. album is just, I mean, there are parts that I don't care for as much. I mean, I. Well, um, I mean, you're already ahead because you're a dude listening to it. Because let me tell you, as a woman listening to this record, <laughs> sure, sure. there's some shit on here that there's, is there's a song oh, that real annoying, offensive, yeah. yeah, real offensive and problematic. I was talking to Rob about it, and I kept bringing it up, and he just goes, "Rod's got some lady issues." <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they fit in very well with the whole that era because there was a lot of misogyny in in lyrics back then. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, Stones are super guilty of that as well. So yeah, but this is the, are, no, the no. casual nature Led of Zeppelin, this misogyny. Led is Zeppelin pretty rough. is worse than the faces. I'm not. This isn't a comparison. No, I'm, but I'm, just, I'm saying, just saying for this, for, there was there's a couple songs there are, and sure, many points on this sure, record that sure. listening, I'm like, fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I agree. I mean, the it's it's cringy to hear that stuff yeah. now. And well, all I'm saying is you have to. Yeah, but Draw the Beatles, between, the Beatles didn't do no, that. I mean, we know about good. all their offstage antics. Like, right. it's not like they yeah. were paragons of like treating people the, the well. Beatles, yeah, but John John Lennon had a few moments with the Beatles where there are some songs that are kind of iffy too. But yes, for sure. Um, but you know, but nothing like no, I don't know. No, this, but this, I mean, if you're kind of pervasive, I'm just saying, if you're not going to like the faces because of that, you also shouldn't be liking Led Zeppelin at all. And okay, should, first of all, you can't tell me which ones I can pick and choose to like no, based on the way I they am, talk about uh, this stuff. And I'm not saying I don't like the faces because they yeah. say these things. I'm not saying you. I'm saying I'm a person. Saying, I, I think a person can do how they want. You know, some stuff hits and some yeah, stuff yeah, doesn't. Sure. And you know, to me, the combination of the misogyny and the style of music. Mm-hmm. Is bothers you more. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not good enough for me to like get well, through that. Part I guess I, I probably see what you're coming where you're coming from on that because like like one of the songs that I'm pretty sure you're talking about is uh, uh, which one was it? Too bad, I think, or um, it's the one we're talking about. Uh, well, stay with one, me. One night stands. Well, stay with me. Yeah. Um, well, too. Um, yeah, too bad. Is, too bad is, is, is sort of a, a yeah. That's one where one night stands. Leave in the morning. You can stay, but yeah. leave in the morning. Or no, is that, that, stay that's, with, that's stay, stay with, with me. me. Yeah. I also do believe uh, that uh, some of those, and, and I'm not, it's not really a great excuse for it, but I'm saying I think, I think there was some, definitely some tongue in cheek about that stuff. Ha ha ha. 
Yeah. I, I mean, right. It, it, it's not funny to a lot of people, but... No, no. But I was I, laughing because the idea of like one night stand and tongue in cheek, like it's a funny... Uh, uh, it's a sex joke. Oh, I, I missed that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. But I mean, I, 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 I don't think that... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the songs were written just as like a... They thought it was funny. Yeah, um, that's the whole but they problem. Also aren't that's necessarily... what that means. That's what that casual misogyny right. is. Yeah, they yeah. thought it was funny. It was the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's how people yeah. talked. Sure, those things are true, but it doesn't cancel out the fact that they they did it and felt comfortable doing it and didn't think about it. I didn't have any second thoughts about it and not just thought it and wrote it, but then spent time in the studio recording it and saying it over <laughs> yeah, again well. and listening to it. It's like a multi-layered reaction. Like on one hand, you're like, oh, okay, you're going to say that, and you clearly feel that. And then, like, the sense of them singing it at concert to a room full of people and everyone in the room being like, yeah, that's totally how it is. Yeah, that's you, Jezebel, with your funny, tired, ugly face. Like, dudes, yeah, what kind yeah. of a party is that? You know whose party it is? It's the men's party. Yeah. And everyone else is, like, a bit player in that party. Sure. No, I mean, that's, that's a very, very valid uh, thing, and I, I totally feel the same way except that somehow I'm still able to enjoy the songs because I I know that from interviews and stuff I also ha- I, it's pretty evident that they don't they aren't as misogynistic in real life as they are in song. Yeah. So I Yeah, mean, they go out of their way in interviews to be like we know we said these things but actually yeah. we have huge respect Rod for Stewart, the women that we brought in the industry. To, Rod Stewart said to And we Keith regret Kirk, that we wrote shit songs about groupies. No, I don't think they regretted it necessarily. Not. Of course not. Rod, they were like, I'm going to sing this song and I'm going to get hella laid. And all the other dudes high five them about it. Rod Stewart said to Katie Couric uh, in an interview that he's not a shagger arounder. <laughs> oh he said he said he uh, and, and he, he was actually pretty upset that people thought he was like, like sleeping with every woman who came. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> He said, compared to Bill Wyman, who supposedly has like 2,000 women under his belt, so to speak, um, he he said he's like... A shagger around her. Is that a direct quote? Yeah. Yeah. That's That's exactly what he said. That's what the name of his haircut should be. Yeah. The shagger around her. Anyway. So, yes. Katie Couric. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Well, she was like, it was kind of a silly, but it was like uh, when he was, it had to have been in like 90s or something, and, and... and she was like focusing an entire portion of her interview on his sex life. It was just kind of mm-hmm. weird. Well, I mean, he wrote a song, If You Think I'm Sexy and You Want My Body. Of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. like. No, he brought it upon himself, certainly. But. Right. It's not like a dark corner of his songbook. Um, speaking of rock stars being interviewed, though, I heard Terry Gross on NPR Fresh Air interview Keith Richards years ago. That would have been interesting. It's hilarious. At some point, she totally brings up like his relationship with Mick Jagger and they're like, supposed feud fighting kind of thing that people mention but don't really talk about and she tries to get him to talk about it and he just chuckles and he goes nice try darling (laughs) (laughs) like he's two steps ahead of her the whole time even though he sounds like he's like a drunk rambling old man (laughs) yes oh yeah he's like no you're not gonna get one on me being cagey yeah well actually that's funny because uh mark maron interviewed terry gross (laughs) <laughs> on on her and it was like broadcast on both his show and on fresh air oh interesting and um she was very uncomfortable with the whole thing although she agreed to it you know but she's very private very personal mm. person mm-hmm. and and he kept pointing out the the irony of the fact that she's always trying mm-hmm. to get stuff out of people yet mm-hmm. she won't won't and and every time he would try to get a little into her personal life she would just like 
clamp. I've been kind of saying nice try, Mark, right. you know. Yeah. Um, anyway. So let's listen to some of this damn yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which starts good. It starts real good. Yeah. Well, let's start it the way it starts. Yeah, Miss Judy's Farm. Which... <laughs> I think that it's, guitar is yeah. killer. I like the distortion. Well, Ronnie yeah. Wood, I I and love his guitar meow. sound. I mean, he the Stones did well choosing him for the replacement, but obviously he's still there. It's still cool. Forty years later. Yeah, instrumentally, regardless of their lyrics. Also, they're, did, they're did Rod Stewart just yell guitar or get it? Because I thought the first couple times, <laughs> a couple times I listened, he was like guitar, and then someone plays the guitar. There's like, somewhere. Oh no, I think on Stay with Me, he says guitar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Name. Listen to that voice. That's so good. I am listening to that voice. You know what that voice is saying? Miss Judy, she was moody. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Miss Judy, she was moody. Uh, that's one of my not stellar songwriting, you guys. Oh, it's it's a fun song. Come on, no, actually, this song is weird. It's it's sort of like a. It's like he was working on a sex farm, basically. It's, which is the name of a song by Spinal Tap. So. Sex farm. Yeah. This is Spinal Tap song, Sex Farm, that uh, was very funny. And this isn't too far removed from that, really. This is my favorite lyric right here. She had a cross-eyed poodle. <laughs> I'm not into kicking animals, of course, but uh, I just thought that was, like, so ridiculous. <laughs> well, poodles are the punching bags of the dog Sure, birds. yeah. So uh, I, I want to point out here to the, the keyboards throughout faces are fantastic because uh, Ian McLaughlin was their keyboard player and he's just an amazing instrumentalist um, I think that really is a key a defining factor of their, their musical sound. I actually saw him um, in Austin a few years ago he died the year after I saw him, it was like 2013 but he, he used to hear this residency in uh, the Lucky, Lucky Lounge in Austin and he would just be there with his keyboard and just playing all these songs, some Faces, stones, lots of other things. I mean, you just, and he was just most entertaining, one of the most entertaining evenings I've had. Uh, he was such a good piano player. And um, sadly, he's no longer with us. But anyway, um, he was with the Small Faces too. And he's, uh, and then he became a Stones side, side man throughout their touring career after that. So. That it's a weird lyric. <laughs> That's kind of a jam in tune, though. It's a great intro it is, to the yeah. album, it is. Yeah, it is. I always, um, <clears throat> I get a little uncomfortable with the the white English boys singing about farm songs in the South. Mm. Yeah, it's in the South. US. It happens. It, it seems Tom, to be a thing. Tom though. Jones has a weird song where he sings like a. It's like an old standard that a lot of people cover about coal mining. Yeah, and. It's just a strange. It's strange to listen to them sing about things in America that are like deep rural. There kind does of seem experiences. to be. A, there's a fascination with that, and I think it sure. goes back to their the '60s musicians got really into the American blues, mm-hmm. and that is really what sparked oh, yeah. the whole. Oh yeah. Stones and raised know, and so many of those dudes and, out of kind of an obscurity that they were languishing yeah, in. Yeah. Howlin' Wolf and Buddy Guy yeah. and Bo Diddley and um, Robert Johnson. Yeah, like the, all those guys, those British teenagers they, got into them and yep. then like got into their music. And right, and they, they exposed a lot of other people to that music. Totally. And uh, so I, I think they uh, felt some sort of connection there and felt comfortable dealing with the same subjects that the blues musicians were dealing with. And, mm-hmm. and you're right, it translates a little strangely 
sometimes, you know, it's, uh, I mean, you know, there are farms on, uh, in England, of course, but there, it's clearly a very different situation. So yeah. what's weird about it to you is that what the hell do you guys know about this? Kind of. Yeah. Right? And, and like this, you know, the second line of the song is ran a sweaty farm in old Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I was just 18 crude and mean, you know, like. I get it. You could sing a song, sing a song about a thing that you haven't necessarily lived. Mm-hmm. But to me, it just rings a little strange, like British, mm-hmm. specifically British kids singing yeah. about that. That's a pretty, like, pretty intense American experience. Right. It just seems a little weird to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and it and definitely has a overtones of singing, like, from a black experience. I mean, I, I first, I until I looked closer at the lyrics, I thought maybe it was even like a slave yeah. reference, like mm-hmm. first person. Sure, it can first read that way, kind of I think so, reference. yeah. And, and looking closer at the lyrics, I'm not sure that's true, but it, it could be. So the next song is You're So Rude uh, by Ronnie Lane. And I, he, his songs are very different than, well, the other songs are written mostly by Stuart and um, Ronnie Wood. A lot of Ronnies in this band. So Stuart and Wood have very, you know, a style that's closer to like what the Stones typically do. Ronnie Lane tends toward slightly more like music hall, that British music hall thing that, that mm-hmm. Ray Davies and mm-hmm. sometimes Paul McCartney. Elvis Costello. And Elvis Costello. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in his songwriting. And uh, You're So Rude is a very funny song, actually, I think. The, the first verse I love, uh, the, the later part of it is him, like he and his girlfriend, getting it on at, at his home, <laughs> and then suddenly they're interrupted by somebody coming Folks in the house. And they're, home, yeah. and they're trying to like, he says, quick, wet your socks, make it look like we're out in the rain. And, um, but the first verse... Yeah, that's a weird... Is this, yeah. a, is this a trick we don't know about? Like, yeah. is this some kind of British yeah. teen boy <laughs> trick? Like Apparently. the sock on yeah. the doorknob or something? Yeah. It's the, like, quick, put your socks in the sink. Uh, there are two ways you can read the first verse, that he is either just trying to convince her to come to his house, or he's saying, like, she's just said to him, oh, your mom hates me, your family hates me. And so here's here's the verse. My mom, she likes you. She thinks you're swell. Got the makings of a dance hall girl. Your low-cut frock and your bird's nest hair. Stiletto heels and the way that you swear. She says to take you back to see my folks again. And then he, there's a long pause there on Sunday. So the funny part is like imagining the mom actually complaining about this girlfriend of his and say, bring her back on Sunday and she can come to church with us and we'll hmm. we'll, we'll reform her. Well, But then the other thing is maybe he's just trying to get her back on Sunday when his parents won't be around, you know. Because they're at church. Because they're right. at church. Yes. Clearly that's a reading of it. I also kind of in my heart hoped for a scenario where his mom was hella cool and actually did like all these things about this girl well, and met her and yeah. was like, you know, I get this yeah. chick. Like she looks good. She's got her hair in the style all teased up and yeah. like she's got a mouth on her, but she's still smart. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, in my in my heart, I hoped that was the scenario. Yeah. And then by yeah. the end when he's like scrambling around yeah. and yeah. getting his socks wet, I'm like, no one's smart yeah. enough in this scenario <laughs> to have that version of it. Ronnie Lane is a really interesting <laughs> character in the band because he's his voice is so not traditionally like a great rock voice mm. uh, it's, it, it strains a bit you know but from my other experience with him he's got this great record with pete townsend called rough mix the two of them did this i want to call it solo but duo album whatever um after the faces broke up and he's just such a lovable character he's like and he's got he's he's the one in the band who's got like the most e- emotions in his yeah. songs I lo- his song debris is my favorite on yeah, the record that that's a great song mm-hmm. and we'll, yeah we'll get to that the most and, interesting song yeah, on the record yeah. for sure he he's he's really he wears his heart in his sleeve a lot more than the others do by a long shot. Um, yeah, they're wearing something else somewhere else. <laughs> Ooh, <ba-doom-tsh>. yep. <laughs> That's a good one. Not as, as good as a wink. Yeah. Um, he also, uh, just to look at him, he's like a hobbit. He basically 
He looks like he could easily play the lead. And the, he's, he's this little guy. Aww. The small Aww, faces were called it. the small faces. <laughs> the small faces were the small faces because they were all under 5'5". Five, five. And when Rod Stewart and Ronnie Lane came into the band, they were 5'9 and 5'10", apparently. And so like they were suddenly towering over the, the others. So anyway, he's this little guy. He's got this little very hobbity face. <laughs> uh, if there had been a live version of the, uh, the, the movie back made in the 70s, he could have been cast for it, I think. But. In Small Faces, his nickname was Plonk. Plonk, that's right. And he had a, a, <laughs> another nickname in the, the faces. I forget what it is. Three-piece. Three-piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, maybe he wore suits a lot or something. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to play a little of that You're So Rude song we were just talking about. And again, you get that great groove going right away with uh, Ronnie Wood's guitar. His, his guitar sound, I just, I love it so much. And Ronnie Lane is a great bass player as well. My mom, she likes you, she thinks you're swell. Got the makings of a dance hall girl. Seems like George Harrison. A little bit, yeah, yeah. With a lot more of a Cockney kind of accent or something. Also, Lou Reed. I get a lot of Lou Reed vibes oh, from his voice too. Like the inflections of it, hmm. big time. Never thought of that, but maybe yeah. Why it looks as though there's nobody in. <laughs> then we get to this little play, basically. It's- I, I get a kick out of that song. I, I think it's also funny. my notes. It's my natured. notes say rude means sex. <laughs> you're so yeah, yeah. You're so I'm rude. I'm pretty sure that yeah. that like vernacular and like kind of a slang term. I, like being rude means getting you know being lewd, like getting maybe getting yeah. into it a little bit. Yeah, though it definitely came to mind. But I also was thinking maybe she had just she said something to him like she was pissed off at him for getting into this situation to be yeah. honest. <laughs> Screw you in your wet socks. Yeah. What is this bullshit? Like, oh, you're so rude. Yeah, that comment didn't seem to fit in there at all. <laughs> the wet socks? The, you're, you're so, so rude. rude. Yeah, no, I think it's... It, I it's, think. I, 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 I totally see it as like a response to something she said to him because she's pissed. The, the album kind of flounders a bit after that, I think, for a couple songs, personally. I, I'm not a big fan of the next two. Love Lives Here and Last Orders, Please. I really like Rod Stewart's voice in uh, Love Lives Here, though. Yeah, but I think as a song, it's a little less interesting to me. It's just kind of a ballady Well, to be honest, I kind of felt that way about almost all of them. (laughs) I think think Love Lives Here to me sounded like a... um, like a late night slow dance in a cheap wood paneled sidebar, (laughs) drunkenly slow danced to by a bunch of shapeless late aged people. Sounds like alcoholism. (laughs) Well, it's a wistful song about a failed relationship or something along those lines. Pick Dave's Dave's definition, pick mine. What else? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I like your take on it. Thanks. One one line I. How long did it take you to come up with that? (laughs) Not long. (laughs) That just. I spit that right out when I was listening to that song. And the opinion didn't change as you listened. (laughs) Not really, no. I mean, it's a good song structurally. Sure. You know, the chorus sounds pretty good. His voice sounds great. But yeah, essentially, it just. 
feels like yeah. that to me. I sort of liked one Turner phrase in there. It's the, the last lines in the song. All the vows that we made count for old bags of lumber. Uh, I wrote that down too. Disappear like, on the, the cart down mean? the road. Well, I think he's basically saying that those vows are as worthwhile as a, they count as much as some old bags of wood. <laughs> Where you come up with bags of wood, I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe that's a thing in England though. So, uh, <laughs> the Last Order's Please is another Ronnie Lane song, which uh, his unpolished vocals are kind of charming in a way, but and there's some honky-tonk piano in there, and yeah. I'm not super into. And that's definitely, that one was definitely, the, well, it's the one that made me think most about the the music hall stuff, mm. especially Ray Davies type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it sounded like a low-rent Beatles song. Yeah. Here, I'm going to play a few moments of it, just refresh my memory. Actually, yeah, to me it sounds more like a kink song, than a, like a, maybe a low-rent kink song than a low-rent Beatles song. Well, well. Yeah, I'm, play much more of that, but I, I got about that far a lot of times and hit the next. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, stay with me is is um, well, that was their biggest hit. The mm, their mm-hmm. and, and it went to uh, number seventeen in the U.S. <laughs> so not a massive hit, but it was on the radio a lot. Uh, it's probably the first face song I was ever aware of. I, I was listening to radio at least casually, even when I was really young. So I probably heard it then. But as far as like knowing it was the faces and stuff, probably 11, 12, 13, I don't know, early teens maybe. Musically, it's a great song. It's, I think it's, it's got a very, almost a punky energy to it. It starts out with that really driving guitar. And then it shifts into this Ooh. other gear, piano and stuff. And it like slows down. I'm pretty sure it goes to a whole different tempo altogether. But uh, I think it's a pretty masterful transition I'm just glad they did it because I'm not super into songs that have that like rolling on the river kind of like driving the rhythm to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that to yeah. me, like, mm. it's just not, it's nothing I can like nod my head to, you know, it's just like too fast and yeah. frenetic. And I just feel like those kind of songs are for the band that's playing it. They're like super into it and right. like, like everybody's playing really and hard. Probably great in a live scene, version, yeah. live setting, but yeah. to listen to a lot. And actually the, the main heart of the song is actually a fairly slow tempo but it sounds rocking because of the instrumentation and stuff. Uh, as we've already touched on, it's uh, it's about one-night stands and groupies and pretty much misogynistic. Um, you you won't need too much persuading. Don't mean to I be, don't mean to sound degrading, see, but with a face like that, <laughs> you got nothing to laugh about. I've always wondered, I'm sure it means essentially what we think it means, but the laugh about, I, I don't like... I mean, he shouldn't, she shouldn't be having a good time because she's ugly uh, or, uh, yeah. Well, you know, like maybe she, like he likes the way she looks from the neck down, but not the neck up, which right, would make sense right, because clearly right. the party's not interested in a right. woman is what's going on in her head. And and clearly he's aware of that because he says, don't mean to sound degrading. So, yeah, except so that, he knows that's that he like is sounding the degrading. most yeah. pandery yeah. nonsense. Well, right. Well, like, I mean, look, no, I said degrading. So now I'm, we're good. And I'm like right. being a decent guy. Right. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's that's where that was coming from, and uh, and I I bet that part of the reason this song became a moderate hit is because it's got this joke aspect to it. Like I can, it's the kind of song that when it came out, I'm sure people listened to it and were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's saying that!" Ha 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 ha! Like let's listen to it again. You know, like yeah. I wouldn't give it cred just for the merit of the songwriting. Like it's definitely got like a story beat to it that yeah, would yeah. be funny for dudes high fiving each other and slapping right. each other on well, the back. Well, right. for this uh, this podcast here, it was the first time I ever 
sit back and really listen to the words and found out what it was saying, actually. Mm -hmm. But when I've heard it in the past, I heard, stay with me, and it sounded like, oh, it's kind of romantic. Right, that's, <laughs> you're right. That's, and, and it's, it it's does sound like that. As well, yeah, exactly. You know? And so I, I think that's a lot of its popularity. I think, uh, or I suspect anyway, that a lot of people out there aren't as into listening to the words and don't know actually what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And they hear the stay with me and it sounds like, oh, it's really Yeah, it sounds yeah. like romantic and yeah. like you just think about and, putting and your arm around someone. Yeah, really totally, to totally. And it's a great, like song-wise, mm -hmm. it sounds yeah. good and fun yeah. and you yeah. just kind of want to like get and into so, and it. so after, after reading the words of it, I was like, I don't like this song too much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like listening to Lola by the Kinks, you know, like really reading the lyrics start to finish. That story was vastly different than what I had understood it to mm. be. Uh -huh, and the uh -huh. same thing, like it yeah. just, you get the chorus in your head and you hear it for so long on the radio or whatever around. But and I don't, then I don't, at some point you're like, oh. I don't see Lola as offensive though. No, no, no. I don't mean it's, it's offensive. I just oh, mean it's a very, very different, different than what you story think it, yeah, than yeah, right, when you just right. listen to yeah. the the like highest points right, of it. Right, right. The, the chorus, the sing along parts. Yeah. Right. Exactly, and you're like, yeah. oh, this is a fun thing that's happening. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. Actually, this story is not. Right, and, and really what he's talking about is stay with me tonight. Right. Yeah. And he's talking to them and get the as he's meeting them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. In yeah. the morning, that's right. how it opens. In the morning, don't say you love me because I'll only kick you yeah, out the, the door. door. There's no punches pulled. There's well, no and, even hint and of like part. anything. It's just straight up from the beginning. And this is very succinct part, which I think basically is describing the sex itself. It says, sit down, get up, get out. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, uh, which is funny, but also like it's only funny to some people. Yeah, like I said, the the extra, you know, it's the there's the levels to it. There's the one level yeah. of listening yeah. to the words, and the other level of just picturing a group of people in a room together working on the recording of it, and just being like, yeah, this is so funny. Does brown sugar bother you at all by the Rolling Stones? Because that is super offensive. I've never really gotten into the Stones. Really? I thought you were mm -hmm. a big fan. No. Oh. I have a huge amount of respect for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's impossible to avoid them. Yeah, oh, um, interesting. But in my, in my personal enjoyment of music, there's like a split of like Beatles, Zeppelin kind of side of things. And then there's like a Stones who kind of other side of things. And I love blues, but... I, I'm not into that like janky, loose, honky tonk, British bluesy rock and roll kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't mm -hmm. do it for me. I get why it's good and that people like yeah. it and it's hugely popular. It's just not my. That's funny. I I would actually group the Who with the Beatles and the Led Zeppelin with the Stones mm. more as far as like subject matter and 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 songwriting. But I get your point. And so the Stones, yeah, the like Brown Sugar. It's just when you read the lyrics, it's just like super racist and mm. and and misogynistic and. Mm -hmm. And they're honky-tonk women, and, and there's a lot of stuff. It is kind of hard to listen to when you think about it too much. If you just sort of like try to like set that, yeah. turn off that little part of your brain, which I try to do for this song. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to play a little, just because uh, instrumentally. Oh, shit, yeah. I'm looking up the, sorry, the brown sugar lyrics. Yeah. Yowza. Yeah. That guitar and that that whole way it just kicks in there is just awesome. And then Ian McLoggin's keyboard as it he brings it down to the next tempo. Here it comes. That's such a great transition. Yeah. I, so I, I great. It. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> he 
he is a master of interjections and uh, you know like <laughs> exclamations and or master I'm saying that it sounds more personal that way I really enjoy yeah it. yeah I mean, he's just loving it I mean you, can, you just know he loves singing rock and roll and that's really all he ever wants to do or well at the time anyway oh he knows her name that's that's one that's more than some people <laughs> Sarah just rolled her eyes. I didn't. Very, oh, I didn't no. roll them. You no. told me I'm not allowed to. Yeah, no, 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 I expected it. I expected it there because that's that was, that was being tongue in cheek myself. That like I wanted to roll my eyes so hard that they didn't actually move. <laughs> they did. They they did this 360 roll that mm-hmm. I couldn't even detect. Yep, exactly. Seismic egg roll. Yeah. Egg roll. Egg roll. Seismic eye roll. <laughs> I just picture him slapping her on the ass and her being like, what the? And then he'd be like, come on. Don't get upset. Come on. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of the audience, the women in the audience in particular, weren't listening to the words either. They were like, it's Rod Stewart, and he's saying, stay with me. And, mm-hmm. and it worked, yeah, evidently. I could see that. Well, <laughs> well I mean, and, and, you know, well, to I be mean, fair, there are obviously a subgroup of those women who were interested in mm-hmm. staying with him. Well, sure, uh, I mean, that's a, a, guy, that's a know, reading, too. Like, you know, there's a world where, you know, she was having a good time, too, except for right. the way that he, the stuff he says about her face and the way that, I, mean, I know, no, he, he could have done it without being as insulting, uh, yes. <laughs> certainly. Yes, that is pretty much the bottom <laughs> He could have made it clear that there was more mutual enjoyment going on and uh, respect or whatever yeah. of some sort. <laughs> yeah, because there's, you know, like, the weird part about it is that, like, there's songs like this where it's like a man singing, like, you know, I don't want you here in the morning, get out right away. And so you're you're objectifying and being insulting and you're also slut shaming at the same time. Yeah. Because like yeah. there there are plenty of people who just oh, yeah. wanna get with someone and have sex and mm-hmm. move on. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just people being people. So like to like turn it into a shameful, dirty yeah. thing to yeah. make fun of and treat someone badly about is like, why? Just have do it. Right. Have a good time. Right. Or even uh, just like or, stay or with just, me. Let's have yeah. fun and yeah. enjoy each exactly. other. And tomorrow morning, shake yeah. hands and, and, and never go talk on our merry exactly. ways exactly. and just celebrate the fact that we had a good yeah. time together. Right. And now we can, be kind about it. Yeah, yes. yeah. Now yeah. we there, can move on with our lives. There's yeah. zero reason to be so demeaning about it. Yeah, there's just a whole structure inherent, a whole social mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. structure inherent in this yeah. attitude that's really regrettable. It's definitely a rock star attitude, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and our friend Kim Deal said that without misogyny, the entire music industry would just fall apart. So the song after that is uh, Ronnie Lane's Debris or Debris or Debris. He says Debris, he, he, he? said Debris, um, and I, th- I think that's the British pronunciation for the word. I would say Debris. Mm-hmm. Knowing their catalog pretty well and some of his solo stuff, it's one of his best songs ever. It's a beautiful song, I think. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's about his father. Mm. And it's sung a eulogy, but, you know, uh, it, it just a tribute to his dad. And I read a little bit about this. And it, his dad was a bus driver uh, right after World War II, trying to support his family. Ronnie's mom had uh, multiple sclerosis. And that's what killed him, actually, too. Mm-hmm. A, yeah, he had eventually diagnosed he, with MS. Like yeah. twenty years of him. Yeah, and he was. Uh, they, there were several 
concerts to raise money for the for MS and stuff in his name, like Pete Townsend and oh, that's cool. a lot. Eric Clapton was part of. It. I mean, he had a lot of friends in the come up with all these same guys in the '60s, and uh, so his dad was trying to support them all. And his wife, the dad's wife, was disabled for the most part. So apparently, in London after World War II, there were flea markets that would set up on the the rubble of the bombings, and uh, so his dad would go to these flea markets and root around trying to find cheap bargains for the family. Um, so that's why he's talking about when he's saying, I left you on the debris. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, yeah. he left you. He's, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, you can certainly read other meanings into it, like the debris of a family. In, in addition to London being bombed, the whole family was like in disarray or whatever, you know, like the remnants of what had previous been, previously been his life, you know. So at one point he... Uh, he also wonders what his dad's life would have been like if he hadn't had to support the family, I think. And that's the last verse. He says, but I left you on the debris. Now we both know you got no money. And I wonder what you would have done without me hanging around. And I just find that very little heartbreaking. You know, like he, he sort of wishes his dad had been able to have well, a less you know, that's interesting. I had a total life. different read of that line. Yeah. Yeah. Like my read was that he was sitting on the steps waiting for his dad to get home, like that he waited up for him. Mm-hmm. And well, I think right. I read some he, stuff he to that effect that well, he another... really like, and so it was more like what you would have done without me, like how much worse would it have been for you oh. if I didn't wait up for you? That's certainly one take on it too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Well, cause he says earlier, I heard your footsteps at the front door and mm-hmm. that old familiar love song. Cause you knew you'd find me waiting there at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's that too. He's just like he's waiting for his dad to come home and his dad you know, clearly had a loving family to, to come back to. But I think also I, maybe he also wished his dad could have had a less stressful life of having to support them all. Well, I think it works both ways, yeah. which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's the hallmark of a really, yeah. really good songwriting, right? Is yeah. that it has enough meaning that it paints a really, like a really deep story. But then yeah. also you can kind of ascribe different meaning to it easily because it's just vague enough, right? Yeah. Um, he did say about his dad too, like his dad was like, if you want to have friends, learn to play an instrument because then you'll have friends your whole life. That's such a sweet thought. Yeah, clearly felt very close to his dad. And he had uh, one, one of the really good lines from the song is, I've been there and back and I know how far it is. He really can identify with his, his dad. Yeah, musically it was a nice song also. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Beautiful yeah. guitar parts. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, let's play a little bit. Yeah, let's hear it. Stewart, I think yeah. it might be my favorite song now. Mm-hmm. It, it is definitely one of the high points, yeah. It, if not the high point now. For sure. It's the it's the song that made me kind of re-question my assessment of the rest of it. Mm. Nice. Which I'll explain when we're yeah. And, and I, I really I, even though his he was pretty unpolished vocals. I, I really love them. I, I think they're just very 
a good emotion. I, I know they, they feel heartfelt usually. Like, yeah, it very, feels very honest yeah. and honest, very genuine yeah. and heartfelt and yeah. kind of like the the lack of polish is what makes it even more so, I right, think. Right, right. It's the only place we hear Rod in the song. He's a great bag of vocalists. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, they have a few parts that they sing together. It's really good. Oh, yeah, he talks about the union strikes and the difficulties his dad's going through with the job. So the reason it made me kind of rethink my angrier assessment of the rest of the record is just like these like good time white dudes playing music with each other and like having a good time at the expense of pretty much anybody else. The poignancy of this song being in a post-war world that these kids growing up with the city and rubble around them, it's very working class. It's very kind of sparse emotionally, right? Like you, you feel that like, like what we can even only imagine it must have been like living through that war and then growing up as a child in that world after it. And so in that, when you look at it from that context, like I can see why you would just want to write songs about having a good time and Mm. not care or think about it because you had been through so much misery and there was so much gray and misery around you still that like, you know, who cares about anything? Like if we can play music and like make it feel good, make ourselves feel good we for a little while. Forget yeah. about what we're looking at. Right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, and, and a lot of that generation of British rockers grew up, who grew up in London in particular. Um, yeah. They, they, they went through that and it was like Elvis Costello. You hear about, uh, it was a little after, but he's still, a little after. Yeah. yeah he's still experienced some of that too. So a little after as well. But, but, but when Elvis but was young, numbers on were, a dial, like that right. after aspect, right. they're, Parents exactly. would have been shell shocked. Yeah. Their world was shell shocked. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Like thirty thousand people died in London alone from those bombings, and that's just hard to comprehend. You know, you hear about the bombings, but I I don't think I'd really realize what the human toll was on that. Well, yeah, because the Germans, like, not only were they trying to win, but they deliberately were just trying just to destroy the the morale, the morale yeah. of the yeah. whole resistance in the whole country by just firebombing the whole city. Yeah. And going after specific landmarks and specific historical structures too, right. like to really not just like physically torture people, but to emotionally and like culturally yeah. wreck them. Yeah, yeah. Most of these guys, uh, again, I'm referring to the, the British rock musicians. They were in their they were under ten years old when this was happening, mm-hmm. it, and many of them would have had some sort of memory of at least the after effects of, of the whole thing. So yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, that was really insightful. The next song is. Memphis cover of a Chuck Berry song, and I find it very boring. Very agreed. Boring. Let's I, just like I, you know, <laughs> unless you are the Beatles 
or Dave Edmonds and Rockpile don't do Chuck Berry covers because they always sound. And I don't dull. even like the Beatles Chuck Berry covers. They do a fantastic version of them, I think, but because they add this energy to them that is a different energy than Chuck Berry had, and yeah. and it works really well for the songs. But I think leave Chuck Berry to Chuck Berry. And, yeah, and, it's pretty like egotistical yeah. to be like. I get it. Chuck Berry was a hero to all these guys, and yeah, that's sure. amazing and completely appropriate. Right. But to like then be like, yeah, let's do one of his songs, and it sounds good enough to and, put on our record. Man, maybe not, guys. And, maybe and, not. And <laughs> maybe check that. It always feels like filler to me. Like just, yeah. it's just like, uh, we've got no other song here. Let's just do a Chuck Berry cover, and they slow it down so it's like twice as long as the original, <laughs> as the original version. Not only, but it's more, long. It's too. more than twice as long, and they, <laughs> it's just like. Uh, you know, great musicianship, but sure, what doesn't matter? It's- I, I feel I feel like also it probably would have been a, a product of a different music industry that we don't mm-hmm. understand as much present day because it would have been like it probably would have given the record some kind of cred in some way that there was a Chuck Berry cover on it or it would have yeah, been an indication maybe. to people at the time buying it. Also because, I mean, I think, was this still at the time when people could kind of just cover each other's songs? Like, I don't know when intellectual copyright law started coming into well, it, but for a long time in the music industry, you could hear a song and cover it and sell records on it and there was no protection for the original writer of it. Well, they they, they just, yeah, they I think they were paying royalties at this point. There was music They might have been like in the 70s, sure. but yeah, like yeah. before there was a while, especially when Elvis was first starting out. Like around that time, right, where they were, where you just where anybody could record anything, of, and and they were taking a lot from old blues songs and just not crediting right the original stuff. So, just one more thing about Memphis is that it's actually a pretty sweet song as far as the, mm-hmm. the but it's not theirs. I'm saying obviously Chuck Berry. It's one of Chuck Berry's more lovable songs in a way because it's about his daughter. He's a he's a divorced dad who. Yeah. Uh, and you don't pick that up till the end. You don't of pick song. it up. Yeah, it's yeah. a little like you think it's a love interest, but then you realize mm-hmm. it's just his girl calling. Uh, his little girl calling and uh, trying to get in touch with him, and he says he's been separated from his the mom for however long, and so he's eager to like get in touch with her. So you know, it's it's a nice little twist there. But it was kind of cool listening to the song because the right wrote the message on the wall. Mm-hmm. That line stuck with me from when I first heard this as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when yeah. I heard that, I guess like, oh, yeah, Elvis covers this too. Did he do a cover? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know when. Uh, Johnny Rivers had a big hit with it in the mid-60s. Same guy did Secret Agent Man. And <laughs> all that. It was like his other big hit, really, I think, or maybe a couple more. But So the, the final two tracks on the album are Too Bad and That's All You Need. And as, as we already said earlier, Too Bad is another one of these uh, fairly offensive <laughs> songs lyrically. It's a, it's a very similar theme to Stay With Me. But musically, I think they're fantastic songs they're like they they play to all the strengths of the faces and to finish off the album with these two incredible rockers they could easily have started the album with those two and it would have been just as powerful you know a great way to start an album and they saved them to the end like i I think too bad it's in particular is just a a real distillation of everything that was great about the group yeah of the two of those i like that one a little bit yeah uh, um i I think it's one of their top songs period of Mm -hmm. any of their albums um Mm -hmm. I really like there's a clapping intro where you hear some studio chatter at Glenn Johns, who produced the album. He's actually he's a producer, also did a lot of stuff for The Who and The Stones. You can hear him asking Ronnie, Ron Wood to let go of his guitar because it's like feeding back or something. But they've already started this clap in for the song, the intro, and they just keep going. I just I, somehow I just I really enjoy the fact that just they're so intent on getting this song started that they just keep clapping. Whoever's clapping just keeps on doing it. And it's like. Okay, I'm just going to keep clapping until we start this thing. I love clapping in rock songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. We've, t- we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it it's like slams into gear and it's just, it, I'm just going to go ahead yeah, and I'm, play this intro Hopefully here. you'll do that. 
<laughs> oh, there was the opportunity to edit that out. They yeah, right, it. exactly. They could have left that in. We should have a whole episode where we talk about studio chatter in between yeah. songs. I know. And and this is one of Rod's best vocal performances on, on record, I think, dude. And then the, the way the acoustic guitar comes in to emphasize, it's so good. I just love the... They're kind of good. I just love that sound. So. That's a bit of a stone sound right there. Yeah. Yeah, or the who. Well, and you know, and, and when I hear stone sounds in there, I wonder, am I thinking of stones after Ron Wood joined the group and added those touches himself, or right, am I thinking right. of the earlier? But I think it's a little bit of both. I think... Keith Richards did some of that kind of stuff too. This song, I now that I listen to it, I'm, I'm realizing this is a bit more about like trashing hotels, mm-hmm. and there's a bit about like you know groupies and stuff. I think too, but it's like, it's like, oh, we just wanted to go in there and have a good time, and the hotel kicked us out, and again, uh, right so, here. I love this pause. And just that, it's like this, like you're not sure what's going on there because it's not a, it's just sort of drifts off for a second. Sweaty girls, damp hotels. Anyway, uh, uh, no, it's not sweaty girls. It's twenty girls. No, actually, it's not. I, I saw that too, but it, yeah? if you listen to it, it's definitely sweaty girls. It's somebody missed. I just didn't listen to it closely enough. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listened several times to make sure I was okay. right about it. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have anything particular to say about that, or just the? Well, uh, I, I really like the rollicky sound to it. Yeah, I did too. There's like a little, little guitar like yeah. at the beginning. I liked a lot. Yeah. They're clearly great musicians, but their songs aren't like tight in the way that some great bands are. It's just sort of like there's a, a looseness to them that I really appreciate. But it's like all like mm-hmm. they never really miss the beats, you know. They're just like it's like testimony they, to what good musicians they are. They can yeah just chime in whenever right they feel right. Like they right. kind of kind of like following along and just doing a. You, you don't get the impression that they like spent tons of time practicing. You know, like they get the song down and then they just say, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's all you need. Uh, I think back to back with Too Bad is just a really great closer. And again, his singing on this is um, some of the best of his career. Uh, some really great slide guitar from Ron Wood and uh, the organ work as well. I'm going to play all that. Okay, just don't oh. don't go all the way to the end because at 2.57 some bad things start to happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want to go to 256. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> do it. Like, let's do a bit, and then you should just skip sure. ahead to there and see what starts to happen. Okay. It's, it's terrible. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and there's like two verses of him singing with just the slide guitar, and then the band kicking in is just so good. Says my brother, he's been out. 
Such good singing. Yeah, just, yeah. I don't like the nerd bashing aspect of this song. Mm. I'm not sure which. He's just like talking about his brother's smart and plays violin, and, oh, and he's, oh. clearly those are meant to be negative attributions. I don't know. Well, he went off to the city and then came back and said, hey, it's a rough world out there, Rod. Can you can you go to two um, like two fifty seven or so? Can you yeah. bring it there? Okay, so here we are at uh, two forty seven. Getting to your two fifty six. Awesome. Yeah. That little. Ch -ch -ch -ch. Yeah, that's great. Where is it? Was it music? Where is it? Or? No, it's in here. Wait, it, there's a whole like couple it's things. It's a couple things that start to happen musically. Okay. That's okay. probably coming up. Yeah. I think I yeah. It gets to a point where it should have maybe ended. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like this part doesn't really add much. Oh, 257 was that rad distortion part. That was the oh, cool part. Oh, but yeah. there is stuff at the end that goes bad. There it is. Starts with the fork on the thing. It's one of those, yeah. And then, inexplicably, steel drums. Oh, that's right. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Who asked for that? <laughs> I did not order Who steel needed drums. That? I did not order steel drums. I mean, it drums could be like song. vibes. It could be a xylophone, too. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think that's steel drums. Steel drum, you guys. Yeah. I was all right with that. Really no, like that. Mm -mm. it seems a lot of place. I think, I think steel drums are good anywhere. Oh no, really? <laughs> still, I like steel drums well, a lot. I, like, I, like I, I do, I do, but yeah. but it really? seems a little it seems a little excessive, really, in the, yeah. this context. But. I wrote Y with thirty Ys <laughs> when the steel drums. Well, I only came went in. twenty-five Ys. I counted. I wrote them and yeah. then I counted because I just thought the whole time. Um, <laughs> you know, here we are in the wintertime and the tropics sound really no. good. Mm -mm. Nope, that has no place in this song. Come on, this whole record, there's no tropical anything in this whole record. It doesn't even mention rum or coconuts. We're talking about my so, personal preference. This is, okay, you can, whatever you want for I that. Like but I don't ever, pretty much. That maybe in a Disney movie where an animated crab is singing. There, there's a lot of songs where they, at the end of the song, they do something different. And more frequently than not, it's like, kicking up the tempo and suddenly they're racing to a finish like it happens in Miss Judy's Farm. And uh, I saw a quote uh, from Ron Wood where he said, uh, most of our songs, Stay With Me, Miss Judy's Farm, Too Bad, they start in one groove, build up energy, and then finished in double time. We'd go, wahoo, until <laughs> the song burst. <laughs> and, and that kind of describes wow. a lot of it. And, except that one, it kind of slows it down. I don't think it really, I mean, it does speed up a little bit there, but it unnecessarily comes screeching to a bit of a slowdown. So so how did they go? What was it? Wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. Wow. Okay. I, I, I'll give you that. <laughs> 
So, uh, and that's the entirety of the album. And um, well, and I wanted to add earlier on that Rod Stewart was the first real concert I ever went to. Oh yeah, Texas. really? Yeah, what year do you know? Or like what? Yeah, it was uh, eighty-one or eighty-two. Wow. Did he sing the sexy song? Maybe. Oh, he must. He must have. That was like seventy-eight. So yeah. seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Um, I, I did want to. I just had a couple other little related notes that I wanted to bring up and. The, the Faces uh, were doing this stuff around the same time that he started doing his solo career. And I was really torn as to whether to do this album or his uh, Every Picture Tells a Story mm-hmm. album, which is so good. And I just wanted to play a little bit of uh, the beginning of that and Maggie May, which is on that. I mean, I've, I've heard Maggie May like a, a million, million times. times. Yeah, yeah. But Every Picture Tells a Story is such a great... And, and basically, the Faces were the band for these albums, too. So in a way, they are Faces albums. Mm-hmm. But I think contractually, he had to do it as a solo mm-hmm. thing. Something like that. Now, this song is offensive for a whole different thing. It's a little misogynist at one point, but it's also kind of racist. Oh, it is racist. He says he refers to this woman as the slit-eyed lady. Uh, she's an Asian woman that he hooks up with and he seems to actually have a lot of affection for her. it's not like a one night stand necessarily but it's just uh, that makes me cringe I just wish that part wasn't in the song you and a whole lot of other people probably yeah. feel that oh, way oh I know I know and, and that goes back to the same thing the, the problematic with the stones and, and just it's just this insensitivity to oh he says it more than once he does twice I think actually yeah it's, it's, it's a Otherwise, the song is fantastic, but I, eh. I, do, I do wish. Um, it's not really doing anything. For and me. then Maggie May has this fantastic intro solo, yeah, intro nice. thing. It's very English folk mm-hmm. uh, thing. that He was really into that because this whole album is very acoustic, but it's a rock. I mean, definitely a rock context, but played on acoustic instruments most of the time. Wow, it just keeps going. Yeah, right? He's in a dude in a, in and then a doublet. That's a slashed the doublet. And then this fantastic 12-string 12, 12 guitar thing. That was a 12-string on the, on the uh, Every Picture Tells a Story. Yeah, well, and he a lot of mandolin there, too. So okay. some of that's mandolin, some of it's 12-string. Ma- Maggie May is one of my favorite songs of the 70s. I, I mean, yes, I've heard it a million times, but yeah. I do not get tired of it. It's just It's so smooth. And it's a really interesting story, and it's fairly respectful of the person too. So it's a little easier to listen to in that that you know sense. Anyway, um, then I also wanted to bring up the point that the faces have—I'm going to guess a little bit—but one of your favorite movie moments on their final album uh, is the song at the end of Rushmore, and you'll recognize it in a moment. Aww. This is the Faces song? Yep. Oh, no way. This is Ooh La La from their album of the same name. You haven't seen Rushmore yet, have you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the very end of the movie, this comes in. It's just so perfect after the rest of what had happened. Oh, what a nice note to end on. Now I feel all happy inside because I can think about Max Fisher. Yeah. Who many people dislike, but I wish he were my best friend. Oh, I love that movie. This is the only face song sung by Ron Wood. This is mm. this is 
apparently Rod Stewart took a crack at it, didn't really like the song very much. Uh, Ron La- Ronnie Lane tried it, but it didn't sound right either. And they said, hey, let's, why don't you give it a crack, Ronnie Wood? And they, they all thought he did a great job with it. And years later, Ron uh, Rod Stewart has been quoted as saying that this is his favorite Faces song. Even though he didn't like it enough at the time to want to sing it himself, he's mm-hmm. come, come around and it's... This has been covered a lot, too, haven't it? It may have. Yeah. I'm sure it's been covered. Actually, it has definitely been covered. I'm not familiar with any of the covers in particular, but... The Faces song. 